0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Talk Naturally, the place where your animal friends and nature come together to find health, happiness, and harmony with all the natural things the Earth has to offer. Your hosts dr kim bloomer and dr Jeannie thomason each week will lead you through the practice of taking care of your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature provides so get ready to learn about natural nutrition preventative pet health and more with your hosts dr kim and dr Jeannie.
1: Well, hello. I'm Kim Bloomer. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Jeannie Thomason, the other host. Well, today we're, our show is Bright Hope, Bright Haven. We are going to be speaking with Gail Pope of Bright Haven. It is a natural animal retreat. I love everything that they're doing here. And But before, as usual, before we get into the topic of today, we're going to hear from one of our radio partners, and then we're going to be right back, so don't go anywhere
0: time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets and while we're doing that you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors naturally pet talk naturally we'll be right back welcome to personals.com as a fellow cat owner i know how finicky we are From our friendships to our loves to just about everything, not any old website is going to satisfy us. Here at personals.com, cat lovers from all walks of life can celebrate the photos, the stories, and videos of their beloved family member. And if you're single, here's your chance to meet someone who's perfect for you. Share your personality today for free. See you soon. Personals.com. That's P-U-R-R-S-O-N-A-L-S dot com. Finally, a place to meet that special person. Flight 291 is now boarding. All passengers, please proceed to gate 4. And who's this traveling with us today? This is Bailey. She's never flown Midwest Airlines before. Hi, Bailey. (laughs) She'll be fine. We take special care of our traveling pets. In fact, our premier pet program was created by an employee and dog lover who believes that pets should be handled as precious cargo. And they are. Oh, and they earn travel rewards, too. Oh, good. Thanks for flying Midwest Airlines, Bailey. Enjoy your flight. Visit MidwestAirlines.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, pet boutiques and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tooting, galloping good time. Every week on Horsing Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
0: We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and
1: Dr. Jeannie. Well, today we are speaking with Gail Pope. She is the founder of Bright Haven, and this is a wonderful, holistic uh, a retreat, I like the way she says that, retreat mm-hmm. for senior, disabled, and special needs animals. And of course, that again is another passion of ours because we don't think animals should be throwaways, do we, Jeannie? Oh, of course not. No, and, and so we were referred to Gail by an upcoming guest, uh, Dr. Christina Chambro, uh, who is a homeopathic vet and who has worked with and helped um, uh, Bright Haven. So we have a lot to talk about today, and we're very excited to hear from our wonderful guest, Gail Pope. Welcome, Gail. It's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> well, you know, we always go in and check out any of the uh, upcoming guests, and I've been stuck on your site more often than not and over the since I found out about you. And again, this is something that I think it, it's just really wonderful that there are people like you out there, Gail, who have uh, a haven for these animals. I find it sad, however, that there is a need for it. Well,
2: yeah, you just summed up one of the passions in my life. I think that there are, there are thousands and millions of animals, animal lovers out there, and it's just such a shame that more and more people can't open up their homes, even if they just took a few of these special needs animals, or even one, then we wouldn't have a need, a huge need, for more and
1: more Bright Haven-type places. I I know, and I think that that was something that you talked with both Jeannie and I about how um, Bright Haven hopes to not just be in California, but the concept for Bright Haven around the country, because there's definitely a need, and more and more special needs uh, rescues are are coming into play. And, of course, yours is unique and um, also exciting to Jeannie and I because of the approach that you take, uh, the natural holistic approach that you take to caring for these animals, which, honestly, Gail, that's kind of rare, I know. I know. I don't know why, um, because these animals often come in sick. They're older. They're ailing. They're, for whatever reasons, and, boy, they would be the ones who would benefit, probably, the and also the young, very, very young ones, two young ones in some cases, that would benefit really greatly from the whole health approach uh, to their care, because, they already have a compromised immune system and so forth. But we want everyone to know that Gail's going to be back with us next month to talk about uh, in depth with us about that prog- the program that she has in caring for these animals. And I hope, Gail, my my hope is that uh, other rescues will listen in and learn a thing or two. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I hope so
1: too. You know, just picking
2: you up on what you were saying there, I think more and more and more people now are starting to lean towards the natural way for health care and mm-hmm. daily life for their animals. But In the world of rescue, animals come and go so quickly through foster homes and the rescue organizations themselves, and it's, I, I wouldn't say it's sad, let's say a huge amount of people still have a very conventional mindset, and it's, I think for rescues, it's a really difficult thing if they believe in natural medicine, which I know a lot of them do, to bring a cat or a dog in and feed them naturally or take care of them naturally and then know they're going to go out into the world and not be treated that way. It, you know, it can be awful. And it, mm-hmm. it, I think it's a slow process, but I think we're getting there some, some way.
1: We are slowly but surely, aren't we? Slowly but surely. I think it's um, that drip, drip, drip that we talked about with one of our guests before. You know, we're each, we're all a drip. (laughs) We're each a drip. But uh, if we drip together, it really kind of becomes an ocean eventually, Gail. And I really think it's the consistent drip, drip, drip that will bring the awareness and hopefully more and more people will embrace that, especially with sick and ailing animals. I, I, I don't think that there's any other way. And Jeannie and I have both worked in traditional, conventional medicine, and honestly, the concept was if they're sick and they're dying and you don't have the money to care for them, just put them to sleep. Yeah. And that's not an option any longer. In fact, we have additional options now with, you know, with the natural health and um, with the hospice. Hospice, I mean, there's just, there's so many more avenues that people can can take. So hopefully, because I know your passion is education, and that's exciting to us also. Mm, Well, actually, you
2: touched on the one word that is my passion, and that's hospice, because Mm -hmm. that's the way I've lived for 18 years. And it's really interesting, I think, the word hospice over the last few years has suddenly become the buzzword and everybody's interested and particularly the medical profession want to learn about it and at first I really it didn't even kind of register in my mind because I don't think of it as hospice care it's just what I do because Mm -hmm. it's not a word that I've ever applied to taking care of the elderly but it's interesting it doesn't matter what we call it but it's just so wonderful that people are now starting to realize that This is a disposable society we've somehow made for ourselves and Mm -hmm. we don't want to face things that aren't nice and all of a sudden the world's changing and we're all starting to care more and love is a much bigger word than it was before and we care about our people beings as well as our animal beings perhaps more suddenly and it's just so refreshing. I just love it.
1: Hmm. You know, Gail, I was going to tell our audience that you have quite a number of animals in your um, rescue right now, and I'm just going to kind of run down what you have. Thirty Last I checked, you had 34 cats, and that, of course, changes because you have a lot of older animals, and I know you've lost a few. You did have, I should say, you did have 34 cats, four dogs, four horses, a pig, two goats, a number of farm farmyard birds and a partridge in a pear tree, I bet. <laughs> Actually, today we have a fox in the garden and two
2: wild ducks, so there's oh, oh, wow, wow, a the partridge. <laughs> there <laughs> you wow. go. Wow. <laughs> yeah, in in fact, we, we kind of are going through a, a learning, a very big learning journey of our own right now. Um, it was almost three years ago that we made the decision not to bring in any more animals so that we could start to change our focus a little bit towards teaching people what we've learned. because mm-hmm. over, the, over the years we've been doing this we've saved an average of maybe 30 animals a year
1: oh, that's and awesome. we've
2: learned so much and it's, it's been wonderful however in the grand scheme of things if we teach 30 people a month how to better take care of their animals, how to learn the things that we've learned, then my feeling is that maybe we can save a huge amount of animals, it would make so much more of a difference but over the period of time that we've been allowing our numbers to go down and we've only brought in very very few animals in that time it's been a really strange a strange journey actually it's been twofold number one getting used to living with a a smaller family which is is very strange and the dynamics of seeing the social group changing we've always had our leaders in fact beauregard has been our leader for 15 years, and he died last week at the age of 28, and Mm. the emotional shift in the household is absolutely huge right now. Oh, I can can imagine. It's, you know, it's just been a really, really emotional time. In the last three or four months, we've said goodbye to half a dozen, at least. There was Ollie, the Dax Hunt, who was 23. He'd been with us for six years. He came to die and didn't. Um, Trevor, who was a cat at 26, and wow. he has been with us for, oh my goodness, well, he was with us for 12 years, and, and Enki who was a little boy, a young one, it, the young ones are, oh God, so hard, he crept into my heart and soul mm. about four years ago with a broken back, and we had to say goodbye to him. So the learning that we've seen in the past six months since we've really been learning more and more about new things it hasn't only been about hospice it's about how animals prepare we've seen groups of animals taking care of other animals as you know and letting us be part of that circle the oh, things wow. that it's almost as though they've
1: intensified the learning wow. Wow. so that we now can that's, that's just because maybe we're starting to actually listen to them as mm-hmm. creatures that have cognitive sensitive, real thinking and feeling. And I don't know why it's been more recent, maybe because animals are in our home now and not just work—you know, beasts, beasts of burden. Um, I don't know what it is, uh, Gail, but people like you and me and Jeannie have always kind of had that connection to animals, but it's kind of nice to see the world waking up to it. Isn't right. it wonderful?
2: And for us, it's, it's probably a little bit different because I grew up in a household, probably like most people out there, with one cat and two dogs or two cats and one dog.
1: Yeah, like a... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a,
2: a typical normal family life. And for the past 18 years, I've probably had 80 or 90 cats and up to seven dogs. And it's kind of a very different feeling. And at first, I was completely astonished to even think that we could have a lot of animals. But they make their own social structure and they they allow us into their... Well, I mean, basically, they've taken our house and allowed us to live in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they the rules. You <laughs>
1: know what's interesting to me about that is you're in an observation mode and, and uh, Jeannie and I have recently, although I think it's always been in the back of our mind and in the t- at the front of our hearts that by studying the nature of animals, we can uh, therefore care for them appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way they they, were, they deserve to be cared for, but also the way that they would care for themselves in nature. But by observing them that way, Gail, you're seeing a whole other dynamic. It's real important for us to see that they, they do have social lives and they do have their own way of communicating right. and they do have their own way of thinking and by us the way we bring value to that and to them is to honor that. And I think that's something that you're you're sharing with us and that you're seeing and it's it is quite interesting. Um, that begs the question for me of how what made the decision for you to to become a retreat for animals? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that <laughs> it's a hell of a long story but I'm going to <laughs> it,
2: it's it was a fascinating journey. and I say to people that twenty years ago, if you'd given me a little flash, a glimpse of what I'm doing with my life in those days, I would have looked and I would have smiled and thought, Oh, and I would have said, Forget it, that's not me. There's no way I would ever be living a life like that. So hmm. I don't know. I think we have to remain open to the universe and see what it brings and go with the flow as it were. I've had to learn those things. But for me it was growing up with a knowledge that there was something i think we all do that particularly when we get to our 40s we know Mm -hmm. there's something out there waiting for us but we don't know what it is and i always had that feeling that someday it would happen um and one day my my son's new girlfriend who was working for a veterinarian invited me to go visit a cat sanctuary with her and i thought "Ooh, how lovely this would be great fun and i did and it was it was an incredible place it was an old family home the owner had died she'd been a rescue lady and she'd left money in trust for her animals Mm -hmm. and so there were there was a very tiny staff of people taking care of them and it had become um, not a rescue classically because the animals lived there they didn't really get adopted out they pretty much stayed there Um, and it was a very profound experience for me I, I was completely overwhelmed that they could live peaceably together so many of them and It just made a really huge impression on me. They didn't look particularly healthy or I I, I didn't really think about it too deeply. And it was a week later. My daughter and I actually had our own travel business. And we were traveling on the 405 freeway to work at 6 o'clock on a Monday morning. Luckily, she was driving. Otherwise, I'd probably have driven off the road. And I suddenly said, oh, oh my God, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to have a place like that. And so I drove straight to work, or Kirsty drove, and I chatted, and we were very late that morning. <laughs> and I literally walked into the office, picked up the phone, called my husband, said, Hey, guess what? Oh. I know what I want to do. And I told him, and he said, Hell, we'd better start house hunting. And oh, I my did. goodness. Oh. It was as simple as that. We took a year to find the right property, and I got a job with a vet, and I worked for the most incredible man in the whole world for three years. Um, is
1: he the veterinarian
2: who helps you now? He still helps me more on a convention. We we work together. He told me in those days he worked conventionally. He had a conventional practice and still does. It's wonderful. However, he said, I'm learning that there are new ways and new skills and that nature, Mother Nature, is the most important thing in life. I wish mm. I was younger and I wish I had time to be away from my family to learn about homeopathy and diet and all the things that I really know I need to learn and you're joining me on a a journey and hopefully we can learn some things together.
1: He, we, never, need to, we need that. to duplicate him, Gail, and then we need what we need to do is let them know that there are a lot of us out here who are involved in natural health who can mm-hmm. join in their practice and bring their practices to a thriving because they don't have to do it all. And I know I think a lot of the vets are overwhelmed thinking, but I have to know all this. No, they don't. No. There's already people who know it. Yeah, they can just refer them to... Or join with them. their practice to That's them.
2: one of the most... You just touched on something that is really, really dear to my heart. This is a man who's been in practice for many years. He has a huge client base. He's adored by everyone. The complaint is he's too busy and they can't get to him. But this is a man who, when he has an elderly animal in his practice, most often he will give them my telephone number and say... The medicine I offer isn't gonna help at this point. Kidney disease, liver disease. Let me give you a number of a friend of mine. Just have a chat to her and, mm. and let's see if we can achieve something better. To me that's humility that is just uh, beyond the bounds of duty. Yes, it is. Isn't it? But that
1: means that tells me that he is in the profession of health, unlike right. some of the colleagues, and I won't say all, because we are seeing more and more veterinarians um, really have lights go on in their heads and go, hmm. Yes. You know, I got into this to see healthy animals, not to have you know constantly sick animals. And so they are joining with people like you and me and Jeannie, uh, Gail, and learning and working with, or referring because they cannot wear all those hats. They cannot. It's impossible. They're busy already so um and and I think it's real important that that um that we share people like him because mm-hmm. they do see the big picture and they do realize the limits of their medicine Mhm, it's just wonderful, yeah. and I'm glad that you have a veterinarian like that who is working with your your organization I think um. That you do a lot of different things. I mean, you you approach, use a lot of different natural health modalities and so forth. But um, again, like we said, we're going to talk about that next time. Now, Gail, you are, you do have. It's sort of like a, a healing arts center for animals, isn't it?
2: Well, that's that's our posh title. <laughs> and yes, that's the direction we're going. Um, we do. We offer seminars as often as we can. We're a really small. I mean, we're a family. We're a, a team we're a sanctuary we're we're kind of a way of life and we invite the practitioners that we work with who are local and we work primarily with homeopathy and most of our classical veterinary homeopaths are scattered all over America Um, but when we can we invite them to come and give seminars most often we are really fortunate to have Kathleen Prasad who is an amazing animal Reiki teacher and she offers her seminars here at Bright Haven so we host those I do telephone consultations on the kinds of things that we have to teach, mainly about hospice care and mm-hmm. transition, particularly because that is what we do here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I do a lot of email work. I love to work by email, and I have a, a huge client base that isn't about money. Sadly, in some ways, that
1: we are <laughs> yeah. <more> <laughs> yeah, We can so relate. It's an issue.
2: <laughs> just a one-line question and answer with someone that you've developed a rapport with just to help them, even if it's pointing them in the right direction to find a great vet or, mm-hmm. or to just be a resource to help people, because in helping people, we're helping animals. That's right. That's what we're here for.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's really what, you said the, a key thing there, Gail, because we can't help the animals unless we're helping their, the people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I, I guess the animals
2: have suddenly taught me. Over the years, we've suddenly realized that it is more about helping
1: people to help animals. Mm-hmm.
2: It definitely is
1: because you you can't you've got to duplicate yourself because you can't do it all for one thing. I mean, there's just far too much need in the world, uh, and, and and it points me to a story that you shared recently in uh, your last newsletter, and it was about a dog that came to you, and I'm not recalling the name right offhand because I was reading so much on your site recently, but. This little dog was taken to the shelter to be traded in for a newer model, I believe. (laughs) Uh It's an older dog that was, you know, the owner said, well, they're old, let's just take them and just go get a new one. Actually, I I think I, I remember that story. And that
2: the actual phrase was, she's 16. We never expected her to live this long. And so, do you euthanize animals? We really don't know what to do with her.
1: It doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. And I don't. I have a hard time with that. And I. I mean, why wouldn't a pet owner know what to do? What do you do with old humans? Do you go take them and trade them in for a new model? You know, well, sadly, I think some people do. You know. I was just going to say the same. <laughs> <laughs>
2: if they could, I'm sure a lot would. But right. I think that's changing. You know, Lily was the tiny. She was a tiny little poodle. Lily. A, D. That's her name, right? Lily. She was almost deaf, almost blind. She actually died about a month ago, and she was with us for gosh two and a half years she was she was incontinent but you know when you're almost blind and almost deaf it's a little difficult to find the door sometimes (laughs) yeah we We are child floors and so we don't mind too much about things like that and people just have to learn to change
1: things around in the house when something... And accommodate... Right. Uh, you know, somebody on our show last week, Tom Somes, he does first aid for animals, and he said it's like having, you know, with your animals, with your dogs and cats, you have a five-year-old most of their life, and then suddenly they're 90. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, because we've chosen to bring them into our home, then we need to accommodate that senility and older animal challenges just like you would a human. I think anyway, that's just the way I see things. Yeah. And um and I think people would find some amazing things that they'll learn from these older animals as you accommodate them mm-hmm. to the end of their life and not, you know, trade them in. You know, something I found interesting just listening to you to you earlier Gail. You were telling the ages of some of these pets that have died recently. They're well into their 20s. We actually had a well, it's, it's
2: under dispute. We, we talk about Frazier as 35. His previous owner says he's at least 37 or was at least 37. Mm-hmm. He died mm-hmm. years ago, and we had the honor of knowing him. He, he followed a journey with cancer. He had cancer in one side of his face, and it spread all over his face, and it took an eye away, and he carried on as happy as anything. He was he a horse? It.
1: No, Frazier was a cat. Oh, you and God, That's he, amazing. See, that's what I I want people to understand. I mean, these animals don't have to die at age 7, 8, 9, 10. You know, and they think 16 is old. It really isn't. I think some
2: of it's got to do, well, I think it's got to do with two things. I think this is just what I've learned is that on the one hand, we have to be humble enough to realize that when we were born, we were dealt a certain hand, and sometimes it's our path, our journey, our body, who knows, the vehicle we live in. And it's it's a, a Monday morning one or a Friday afternoon, I should say, shouldn't I? And it's not going <laughs> to live very long, and, mm-hmm. and that is the journey that we're learning. And for others, we've got a really good vehicle and with the right care. If we believe it will go on forever, then it's going to last a lot longer. But I think I grew up in a world where the mindset was that my cats would get to maybe 15. Mm-hmm. They were really mm-hmm. lucky. And with that mindset, I think we... We do it with ourselves. I think it's a world of beings that we need to think about rather than animals or humans or mm-hmm. insects. We're all beings, and we all come from the same energy field, I believe, and so age can be limitless. It's whatever we want it to be. Well, well you Fraser know,
1: believed that. Fraser believed he was just going to be here forever. Right, and you obviously took really good care of him nutritionally and homeopathy and, you know, massage and everything else that you have available for the animals there.
2: Primarily diet and homeopathy Mm -hmm. with a lot of, I guess, love is the most important factor. We use tea, we use flower essences, but primarily the two things we use are homeopathy and and love. And And love, I was going to
1: say, and love, the main ingredient. (laughs) Yes. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some upcoming um, opportunities for you to be involved with uh, Gail at Bright Haven and uh, an upcoming event they have and so forth. And so hang out. We're going to only be a real short moment.
0: Time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets. And while we're doing that, you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Naturally. Pet Talk Naturally will be right back. Not just you, but your whole family. It's the 2008 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 8th from 9 to 4 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to Lend-A-Paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment auctions raffles food fun and things for adults and kids to see do and buy both human and pet related whisker walk 2008 a fun day for everyone for more information log on to whiskerwalk.org Tools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet with pet expert and author Sarah Wilson, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Let's talk pets on
0: PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie.
1: Hello, I'm Kim Bloomer, together with Jeannie Thomason. We're your today we are speaking with Gail Pope. She is the founder of Bright Haven Animal Retreat, Animal Rescue, Animal Sanctuary, but I like the word retreat. It kind of mm-hmm. just feels like a, you know, a place where animals go to uh, grow old and grow old naturally the way they were intended to. And, uh, but today, Gail, uh, as we've talked about your natural approach to your uh, your sanctuary and, and, and the work that you're doing to educate others. Let's talk a little bit now about um, what's going on at your – how much work is involved every day? Oh, good yeah. gracious
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um I guess we could be well there very we're a very small team this is um, it's a large sprawling very old ranch style home so the work of cleaning is endless when you have a big family you obviously have to pay attention to your home and i again I grew up in a i had a had the great fortune, or maybe misfortune, to have a mother that paid huge attention to detail and cleanliness, mm. was always next to godliness, and so I can't bear to see things in a mess or untidy or dirty, and so when I started working with animals, when I was conventionally minded, it was all about cleaning. These days, I realize that germs aren't quite so so much the bad guys anymore. However, Mm -hmm. we pay a lot of attention to cleaning and making the house look beautiful. We work with feng shui, we have candles and incense and washing machines and scrubbing the floor and, you know, it all kind of balances itself out. Then there's the medical work, um, which is huge because we're dispensing remedies and Immune strengtheners. We do. We mix conventional a little bit with giving subcutaneous fluid therapy to a lot of the animals on a daily basis. Mm. And then you may find Frey, who works as one of my assistants, out feeding Harley the hog or (laughs) goats and mucking them out. And then there are the. Harvey looks like he eats a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's almost a thousand pounds. So I, you know, it's it's a work of art actually finding enough food. (laughs) <laughs> keep him. We, you know, we're always begging at local markets and, and trying desperately to get enough fruit and vegetables for him. Aww. Sadly, he's horribly spoilt. We, we all laugh and call him Frey's husband, but, you know, she has <laughs> food for him. He's getting to be an old guy now, and she treats him like her baby, so he's become exceedingly picky. So, we, you know, we often have a a, a shopping list of the things he likes.
1: <laughs> he's not, has he been talking to my dog, I wonder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dog doesn't want to eat come, they he didn't want to eat his it. turkey next today, Gail, and um, for some reason, until my husband went to give some to the neighbor dog. Mm, that makes a difference. And yeah. then he gave her one, and then she ran. He ran out and barked at her, and then ran in the house and ate all of his promptly. <laughs> <laughs> so he needs another dog or two, or a few anyway to to challenge him but anyway I'm sorry go ahead so you're saying you were out and you go out do you go out to like the um, butchers and so forth to help with your dogs and cats food and that sort of thing well not for the
2: most part we go I mean we try to feed them as natural as possible obviously we try to buy at least natural meat. We buy organic vegetables always, and we get those locally. For the meat, we get the best natural source we can, but we buy it in bulk. So for the mm-hmm. most part, it's not necessarily terribly local, but we're always looking for the better deal and sure. whatever we can do that's best for the animals.
1: Well, that means then that um, we're hoping that people will step up and contribute to the sanctuary and help help them, because you're also educating others on how to start their own sanctuary, whether it runs under the Bright Haven title or under their own, right? That's actually one of my biggest passions. Um, Richard
2: and I are both in our early 60s now, and although we've still got many, many millions of years ahead of us, (laughs) I know that the work of hospice care is 24-7, and for the last three nights I've been up all all night long with gingy who 's dying at the moment, and we don 't leave the sides of our animals, and sometimes they probably wish we would, but we have to accept one of the rules they have to accept is that we are humans, and we care so greatly that we don 't sometimes honor nature and leave them on their own sometimes, and they have mm-hmm. to accept those um, things in us a little bit we don 't crowd them, but and sometimes they want to be with us and cuddled up with us right. but the lack of sleep is huge when you're doing this kind of work and we know that we're going to be of more value in the future if we can write and educate people in in lots of different ways and so with that as our focus you know we're just trying to move it all forward and juggle it around and there is just so many different things to do
1: mm. I, I can imagine i know that the work day probably is i mean it's it's seven days a week because animals need to be fed and cared for seven days a week so right. you do have volunteer opportunities right now don't you
2: we do, We always do. Um, it's different. We're not the you know people hear about us and they they think they're going to come along and clean cages and feed the animals and actually you know we're a normal home and there aren't things like that to do. I do have my wonderful housekeeper Blanca um, and for me volunteering isn't about scrubbing and cleaning. It's about loving the animals. It's helping with. The daily lots of errands, daily tasks, grooming, offering love, sitting with a an ill person. It's also about getting involved. I have a team of ladies who come in at lunchtimes on rotation and and actually learn to feed those that you know. I mean, cats traditionally should only eat every twenty four hours, and maybe as they get older, it's twice a day. And unfortunately, we have an awful lot of people who like a lot of elderly humans just can't do that anymore, and so they have to have lunch. Some of the animals suffering thyroid disease, they couldn't possibly go through a whole day without having right. a snack. So we have a lovely team of ladies who come and, and wheel. I have a big Rubbermaid cart, and we always feed on China plates. And we do have um, commercial canned food as little treats to go with the raw diet and it's like going around through you know through we're not a hospital because it's a home and we go to them wherever they are in their bed and they're welcome Aww. to come to us hey,
1: I want to come live there <laughs> I know <laughs>
2: you know what there's a hell of a long waiting list you're going to have to join the end <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's great. Uh, that's where I'm going when I'm getting ready <laughs> to <laughs> go to Gail's of Bright Haven because that sounds like, I mean, that's really uh, mm. sounds like a wonderful place, almost like a bed and breakfast only. Um, and you get <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a really, I, I, I wished, honestly, Gail, that there were so, this is how they were all run. I know that not every place can do that, and a lot of them are doing great work best that they can do, but I honestly wish in my heart of hearts that all the animals were being raised in a natural way that way. With love being I mean, love can bounce back a whole lot of ales. It covers a multitude of sins. So you know I mean it (laughs) It, 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 it can it can cover so many things that and so many of these animals are wasting away in um you know, in these cages and so forth. And they just need interaction. And God, so, Liz, there are
2: so many thousands of them, and it's it's really mm-hmm. really hard. If more and more people could just open up to a few, I mean, there are more and more people fostering, I think, and in getting involved mm-hmm. in the work of rescue, and that's amazing. I take my hat off to anybody involved in rescue. I I don't think of us as a rescue because we don't have an adoption policy. These animals come and stay here. They, you know, they're our family, and we just have a, a more of a changing family. But to be able to re- have the heart to rescue animals, take care of them, and then find new and loving
1: homes for them and uh, rehab oh. them I think that 's the key thing uh, for them, Gail, is that they rehab them so that they are permanently adopted and not mm-hmm. you know not just tossed around, tossed around or back mm-hmm. into a shelter, which happens with many of them simply because these animals have not been. Uh, fostered and rehabbed, and of course, rehab involves love. It involves interaction. It involves training or whatever, so that our animals can blend into a human society. Yes. But um, your animals sound like they ne- they deserved to have found a retreat like that, especially if they've been sick or older and cast away. I ha- I find that really hard to understand. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's that's
2: the reason we don't have an adoption policy. I mean, there are lots of reasons. I mean, for the most part, they they would be over the age of 16 anyway, or they would have a disability that, you know, there aren't many people that would adopt a cat or a dog with a broken back, that kind of disability. Um, And so they come to us hurt or their owner's died and the family doesn't want to help, and that's really, really common. Or they've just got too old or... They've gone to the vet, and the vet said, oh, scratch the head, this doesn't look too good. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, And they, they don't go that extra mile, and I, no. I don't mean that as a criticism. It, people don't necessarily even think there's an extra mile to go. And sometimes we get calls from veterinarians that they've had an animal left for euthanasia, and they just don't feel it's appropriate. Right. So they come to us sometimes then, and we. we that's the pledge when Richard and I first decided that we would go forward with the elderly, we said they deserve to have a home for life. And to be honest, in in the beginning, in the early days, we thought, well, they're obviously not going to be here for that long. And so, you know, it's it's going to be a changing society, but we're going to make them happy for as long as possible. We didn't realize... That we were going to be treading through a whole journey right. that would lead us to natural health care and animals that lived maybe 10 or even more years longer than they were ever expected to. So it, it's been the most incredible learning journey, and the animals have been our teachers.
1: Do you see that they, the animals are different after they've been there for a while and realize, even though I may have been you know, lived with one family for 15 years, and now I'm in this position, and I know that's got to be hard for them because they grieve the loss Mm -hmm. of the family that left them for whatever reason. Um, Or maybe they were astray, or who knows how they end up in the situations they do. Um, Do you think that they really come around and blossom, though, in the the care of your retreat? Almost
2: always. For some, the grief period is longer. For some, they've given their heart irrevocably to someone else. And I think this is where there's a difference for all beings. There's a huge difference between loving, and we love everybody, and in fact we're in love with a huge proportion of them, but there's a difference between loving and being in love. And some of the mm-hmm. animals that come here love us. They love us for who we are, what we do. They, they adore us, but that special in love is, been reserved earlier in their lives and sometimes you always sense that there was somebody else that they absolutely were in love with
1: but Um, were lost
2: and for some they come here to teach us special lessons and they have that extra they've come here for their journey as well as ours and the in love part is there and
1: when those animals leave it's it's mm, really tough. It's, you know, Gail, I was though. thinking that, um, well, they are teaching us, or they are teaching you when they come there, but what gives me comfort is knowing those animals will will have their last and older days loved and cared for and provided for. And, you know, we, we can't save all of them, but you're making a difference for those ones. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think if we could duplicate you around the country, (laughs) that would be awesome because I know there are a lot of other people. One of our um, friends, and she's the one who did the music for our show, Learn to Unlearn, Dr. Barra, she's looking at um, starting her own animal sanctuary here in New Mexico. And I think what you're doing, because she's a naturopath, they would be modeling something to what you're doing. So I'm going to have to put you two together to talk. um,
2: You know, um, I honestly believe that what we do isn't that special. It could, any, anybody could be doing it if they have the passion, and right. that's all it needs. If you have love and passion, then so many more of the animals can be saved and loved and, and be our educators. The whole world could be a different place if we mm-hmm. listen to the animals. Okay, well, you, and we're
1: opening up a retreat. <laughs> exactly, It really. Now, I know that you have a Natural Health Expo coming up May 19th, right? I don't know. well actually no,
2: we put it on hold because we have so many things going on, and we have the ability to actually change it to make it a bigger and better event, so we've kind of moved it around, and now we've got several things planned we don't actually have dates for yet however we're we're just really excited at the different types of venues the um the original event is now going to be hopefully be a bigger one, we've been offered a new venue which is going to allow us to bring in some of our favorite practitioners. You mentioned Dr. Christina Chambro coming on the show. Mm -hmm. Christina actually introduced us to homeopathy way back in the early years. She's actually been on our board of directors since the beginning and to be able to bring somebody like Christina to do the Amazing work she does in education to our local community in Santa Rosa in Northern California is just, I mean, it's just a dream come true. Oh, uh, we that decided. is so exciting! Isn't it wonderful? Oh, I God. think
1: it's so exciting. And, um, Gail, we're going to give your website now at www.brighthaven.org so that people can contact you if they're out. And can you tell them where, where you are and how they can reach you so that if people want to get involved as volunteers, not just with your expo but as a regular volunteer, um, or how they can help by sending donations, that would be, that's really needed. And,
2: oh and you, God, you, yes, please! If there's a millionaire out there listening, <laughs> yeah, if there's a really out there,
1: please funding. <laughs> Get a off of some of that, right? And, and they can also <laughs> donate products to you, also, right? I mean, you're, you're looking at natural, but I'm talking about blankets and those kind of things.
2: You know, we're, we're open and happy to receive everything. We need, I mean, obviously, as any nonprofit, we are a five hundred one c three corporation, so we can receive money, and money is always the most important thing, right. our education program, to put on events such as the, um, the kinds of events at the moment we're focusing on doing maybe once a month meetings so that people can come and learn about transition and the natural circle of life and death, but to be able to actually hit the road and present seminars on a much more often basis. Richard and I flew to Seattle a couple of months ago and presented a two-day seminar, and it was Fabulous if we could afford to do it more often. It would just help us spread the word more. But you know, donations of blankets and fuzzy you know, children's type fuzzy blankets, things for the animals, we always need them. Hmm. To have volunteers come here and help us. Men to come and dig the garden and help make our cat gardens. There you go. You name
1: it. You need a watering (laughs) system or something (laughs) for those gardens. You're you're in in California, right, Gail?
2: We're in Northern California. We're near Santa Rosa. We're actually between Santa Rosa and Sebastopol near Highway.
1: Oh, I know where that is. Mm. Not terribly far from me. No, you're pretty close to Jeannie. Yeah, probably about a four or five hour drive is all. Where are you? I'm up in Cottonwood, near Reading. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. yeah. So we need I'll people have to come come out, out there uh, and, yes. to, and to help you guys donate money, volunteer, be involved, and then Gail can go around the country teaching not only how to start up your own animal sanctuary, uh, natural, hot, holistic Animal Sanctuary, Mm -hmm. but also all about the natural health uh, ways to take care of these um, elderly, aging, and special needs pets. So um, we hope that you guys will go to their site. We've run out of time, but go to www.brighthaven.org. Gail, do you have any parting words of wisdom you'd like to impress upon the audience in closing? Oh, good grief. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just believe that whatever we do, and however we do it our animals will love us regardless of that and mm. keep that in mind and know that their love is unconditional always all animals
1: need is our love and they have so much more to give us back you yes. bet they do thank you so much for being with us Gail thank for you her to be you. back with us to talk about the natural health approach to this rescue on and- In a spirit of love and truth, we hope you all have a tail wagging, hoof stomping, wing flapping, perfectly animal talking day.
0: Pets and nature come together every week on Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason. Learn how to care for your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature has to offer so your pets can live a happy, healthy, and harmonious life. Pet Talk Naturally. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Naturally.